Welcome to Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. Follow along on my journey as I ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and becoming parents. I'm not an expert and I have no experience. I'm going through it all just like you. So thanks for being here and let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to Any Questions, a podcast all about trying to conceive, fertility, ovulation, and hopefully one day pregnancy and parenthood and childbirth and all that good stuff. Uh, Today's episode is all about traveling while pregnant or traveling while trying to conceive. And it actually uh, works out perfectly because by the time you listen to this, I will actually be traveling. Um, If you listen to this when it first comes out on on January 18th, I'm actually in the air right now um, on the way to the UK for a bit of a solo trip. So I thought uh, the timing of this was pretty perfect. I should do an episode all about travel. And it just so happens that this episode was actually inspired by one of you who sent in some feedback. You didn't leave your name, um, but you did share that you were a listener from London. So hello, I am going to be in your city very soon. (laughs) Um, So this lovely listener from London wrote in, um, you know, thanked me so much for the show and and, um, providing I don't know, my experience, I guess, as uh, someone else who is trying to conceive. And they let me know that they are a big traveler, kind of like me. And um, they were worried about Zika virus or just other, you know, tropical diseases and viruses while traveling and curious what my thoughts were on any precautions that um, people should take or whether or not, you know, people should travel while pregnant or while trying to conceive. Particularly, they said that their partner is Brazilian and they're looking to travel back uh, to South America and visit with family. And they just wanted my thoughts on the whole thing. Um, And as I have in every episode in the show notes, but I'll just say it to be extremely explicit here. I am, of course, not a doctor, not an infectious disease expert, not a Zika, um, not an authority on Zika or anything like that. So everything I say here, of course, take it with the most ginormous grain of salt. This is not advice or, you know, anything that you should be listening to uh, and basing decisions off of. I just want to give you some things to to think about. So the first thing I did when I um, got this message is I actually, it piqued something in my brain. So I was like, wait a minute, I've read something pretty recently about uh, Zika virus and pregnancy. And that's because I subscribe to parent data or parent data, depending on how you say that word, um, which is a newsletter from uh, Emily Oster, who is the author of books, um, Expecting Better, Crib Sheet, and Family Firm. She's an economist um, and she provides just a lot of like data information Um, she like kind of interprets the data into layman's terms for people who are trying to conceive or who are pregnant or who have children. Um, I know some people like worship at the altar of Emily Oster and some people absolutely hate her. Um, you know, take to me for me in, in terms of, you know, every parenting quote unquote expert, um, I think take what works and leave behind the rest. So for me, what I really appreciate about Emily Oster is that kind of seems like her approach too. really. She presents this information like, hey, here's the data. Here are the numbers. Do with it what you will. Um, she's not really saying like, hey, you should do this or you shouldn't do this. But she's just like, here, here's what the data says. And, you know, she's an economist. And I, and I kind of trust that her data is going to be accurate because she doesn't really seem to have a foot, a foot in the race, whatever that term is. She doesn't seem to really care one way or the other about, you know, whether or not you 
follow advice on whatever breastfeeding sleep training whatever it is she's kind of just like here's the data that we have she'll let you know if it's you know good data hey this is a really great study or like actually the study's really old and you know had these limitations so grain of salt sort of thing so i'm a fan if you're a fan um or if that sounds like something you'd be interested in i highly recommend her books you can follow her on instagram and then of course you can subscribe to parent data which is her newsletter it's also a podcast i believe and then if you um there's a free subscription and then if you pay i think you get access to even more um, info that she is creating. But anyway, I headed back to headed back. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting all excited. Um, I went back to the uh, newsletter slash podcast about Zika that she did. And I just wanted to share some of the information. Um, because I think she kind of covers this really beautifully. And basically like the TLDR on this is like Zika is not a problem right now. So as you probably know, Zika virus is a mosquito-borne virus, and the biggest concern is that it can cause birth defects um, in babies in utero. So if you're pregnant and you get uh, Zika virus, if you get um, bit by the mosquito, bit? Stung? No, what's the word? If I don't know. If a mosquito bites you, right? Yeah, a mosquito bite. <laughs> if a mosquito bites you and you get um, Zika virus, the... Um, the risk is that your child could have birth defects, namely microcephaly is the big one. So um, the most recent sort of big Zika outbreak that you might remember was in 2016. It mostly affected areas in South America, in the Caribbean and parts of the US. And during that time, people who were pregnant or who were trying to get pregnant were advised like not to travel to any of these areas because of the outbreak. That subsided in 2017. So since then, there's not been like huge Zika outbreaks. Um, I think there have been smaller ones. Emily referenced that there is one in India a couple years ago, but there hasn't been like a huge one and certainly not in the US. Um, or Europe, as far as I know. Again, not an expert. Check your sources here. Um, she did point to uh, something which I thought was actually really interesting in terms of making this decision. So if you are American, you might be familiar with the CDC, Center of Disease Control. I'm Canadian, so like, you know, this isn't for me. And I know the listener who wrote in and asked about this is from the UK, so British. So I know the CDC is not like your um, expert authority too, but it's it's interesting to see what information they have. So basically they have a color-coded map that um, looks at the different risks for Zika. And I can link this in the show notes so you can click on it and see. And you'll see that most of South America and um, parts of Africa, parts of Asia, and the Caribbean, Mexico, the U.S. are all purple. And purple says a country or territory that has ever reported Zika cases past or current. However, it is not a country or territory with a current Zika outbreak. So that gives you sort of an idea of, okay, um, you know, where, where have there been outbreaks of Zika before or Zika cases reported? And you look at that and it's like, okay, I get it. Um, and you might be thinking, oh, okay, I should avoid travel to these areas. However, <laughs> if you're an American listening, that's pretty unrealistic because most of America is in this dark purple color, meaning that there have been Zika cases reported there at some point in the past or currently. And the advice from the CDC is if, you know, you're traveling to any of these purple places, basically to, um, you know, prevent mosquito bites or to not try to conceive for two to three months after traveling, which is kind of hilarious because again, most of the U.S. is color-coded purple. So if you live in whatever it is, 99% of the U.S., according to this map, the CDC is saying you shouldn't get pregnant ever, really, because they're saying not for two to three months after visiting a purple country. So you can see how that advice is obviously 
kind of inconsistent with what the data actually is that there haven't been current or there haven't been outbreaks in this area, you know, since 2016, 2017, there are no current outbreaks. And obviously it doesn't really make sense to, you know, basically tell all Americans, hey, sorry, you, you can't conceive because, or you can't try to conceive because there was Zika, you know, there were Zika outbreaks in your country at one point. Um, Emily does then go on to say that, you know, should we be expecting a future outbreak of Zika at some point? Yes, the virus is not eradicated. There are chances, you know, there will be another outbreak in the US or other places around the world. So just to sort of stay tuned, I guess, see what's going on. But for now, um, you know, it's not a concern and it shouldn't factor into your travel plans while pregnant or while trying to conceive. So all of that is information, once again, from Emily Oster and the um, newsletter slash podcast that she did on Zika virus and using the CDC map, which I will link in the show notes. Highly recommend you check out both of those sources for a bit more information. Um, now I kind of want to dive into like my thoughts on this whole thing. So reading through Emily's newsletter, you know, looking at that map, seeing that information, it really does make sense. It's silly to think that you should avoid travel to, you know, all of South America and all of Asia and most of Africa because of past Zika virus outbreaks when that's the same status that the U.S. is in. And we wouldn't tell, you know, every American to not try to get pregnant. So if that's the only, you know, data that we're using, the only factors, it really, those should be looked at the same way, right? So personally, for me, I probably would not avoid travel based on Zika right now. There are not currently any outbreaks. Looking at that map from the CDC, there's no area that's color-coded red, which is the um, current outbreak color. Everything is purple, uh, meaning just past um, cases or past outbreaks, um, or sorry, current cases or past cases, but no like big outbreaks at the moment. So for me, that would be enough um, to say, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm happy to travel. However, would I hold it against someone if they didn't want to? If they said, hey, you know what? I happen to live in a non-purple place, so not in America <laughs> or South America or um, most of Asia or parts of Africa. If you happen to live, I guess Canada is in the green. Um, let's see, most of Europe is in the green. If you happen to live in a green place, which is a country or territory with no mosquitoes that spread Zika, um, I would not hold it against you if you said, you know what? I'm just going to stay put. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to be that 0.0001% um, you know, person who happens to contract Zika, even though there aren't any viruses. I get it. And I think a lot of this comes down to what is your risk level? Like, what are you happy to risk? How are you feeling about certain things? Um, and sort of just your perspective, I guess, in your life, but also in your pregnancy of like, you know, what what's important to you? What's important for you to do? And what would you rather just like not take the risk, even if it's the tiniest percentage in the world? Um, yeah, so I think I, I would say, and this is hard for me to put myself in this position because I'm, I'm not currently pregnant. I think if I was currently pregnant, I probably wouldn't go to a place that had Zika cases. Again, there's not currently an outbreak right now, but if there was a country that, you know, was reporting more cases than not, sure, it's probably pretty easy to move a trip, you know, just for a nine month period, you can't travel there. However, if I was just trying to conceive like I am now, I don't know that I would move a trip because I have no, no idea how long I'm going to be trying to conceive for. And I don't, I wouldn't want to say, especially, you know, in the listener situation where her husband is from South America, I I don't want to say, okay, we can't travel back to your home country um, for who knows how long because we're trying to conceive. So I think I would probably go ahead with it. Um, personally, you know, I wouldn't want to put my life on hold or change travel plans because 
of this fear, which the data is telling me is irrational, the data is on my side. And I think I would probably make the same decision um, with any sort of, you know, tropical disease or virus or outbreak. I would look at the data, decide what my risk level is, decide what I'm comfortable with, um, and make my decision from there. And I can see this coming up, you know, with COVID and RSV and all of these other viruses, you know, do the best you can to protect yourself. So with something like COVID, you know, you're getting vaccinated, you're wearing masks and whatnot when you need to. And, you know, don't stop it. Don't let it stop you from living your life, from traveling, from making plans, from seeing people. But at the same time, you know, don't go to a place that's like having a really horrible outbreak and put yourself in a scary position. That's where I would, you know, come at it from. But I know there's also people who, as soon as, you know, COVID came out, were like, okay, that's it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not comfortable. I'm closing the door. I'm not going to see people. And especially, you know, if you're pregnant or you have young kids or something like that, uh, your risk level might be different than mine. And I think that's fine. Um, I just personally, you know, I wouldn't want to regret it either way. And I wouldn't want to stop living my life. So that's, that's where I would come from for decisions like this. I hope that was helpful. Um, let's take a quick second to listen to a little musical sting. And then we'll talk more generally about traveling when trying to conceive or traveling when pregnant. So disease slash virus issues aside, let's talk more generally about traveling when you're trying to conceive, because obviously there are other issues that could come up um, outside of, you know, Zika or other tropical or whatever diseases. So I think one of the big ones that I'm thinking of, especially right now, as I am traveling and I'm traveling solo currently, my husband's still back home, is just missing the opportunity to try to conceive. So not being able to do the deed, especially when you have such a small window where you can get pregnant every cycle, you know, there's only really those five days per cycle when you are ovulating or in your ovulation window. And if you're someone like me who has longer cycles or irregular cycles, it can be really devastating if you miss that because of a trip that can mean, you know, instead of getting to try to conceive every 28 days, now maybe you're waiting every 50 days or every 75 days or every 100 days, you know, like you could really have lost a chance. Um, And I struggle with that a lot, especially um, you know, we like to travel, my husband and I, we are big travelers, but sometimes, you know, I'll travel solo or if we're traveling with friends or family, there's not really, you know, a good opportunity if you're sharing rooms or you're just in tight quarters to, to do the deed. Um, and of course, if you are, you know, jet lagged or if you're taking any sort of medications while you're traveling, or maybe you had to get vaccines or something like that, just, you know, your body and your time is all sort of wonky and that can throw off your cycles as well. So traveling definitely has its risks when you are trying to conceive. There are definitely some travel issues, I will say, um, that can make it difficult. For me, it's again, it's that thing, that balance, right? Between, you know, yes, I might miss some opportunities to conceive, but I also don't want to stop living my life. So if I look back at 2022, you know, um, in January, we went on a trip to Hawaii with my partner's mom and uh, his aunt. And it was an amazing family trip. You know, it was during my ovulation window, and we probably didn't get to, you know, try as much as we should have. Um, but looking back, you know, it's been a year now, I'm still not pregnant. We had we have had opportunities at home. And, you know, 
would we have gotten pregnant if we had more time last January? Maybe, but maybe not. And I'm so glad we didn't stay home because of that. I'm so glad we got to make those amazing memories and experience Hawaii and all the other trips we had last year. You know, we went to New York and we went to um, a local trip here in BC and we went to Amsterdam and Paris and Belgium. And, you know, now I'm in the UK and in a couple of months we're going off to New Zealand. And like, those are things that really light my heart up. I love travel. It's a huge part of my life. Um, I can't imagine giving that up. And I would just be so sad sitting at home thinking that I had given up a trip for the chance of like maybe being able to conceive. I would much rather skip a, um, a cycle, you know, skip an ovulation window and try again next time and be able to still have these wonderful guaranteed memories and like live my life. Uh, luckily this time, um, with this UK trip, I uh, was home during my ovulation window for this cycle, but that was just, you know, lucky. <laughs> I booked this trip uh, well in advance, not knowing what things were going to look like, but I just didn't want to say no um, to, to living my life and to making memories and still having an awesome 2023, regardless of whether I get pregnant or not. So that's sort of where I'm coming at it from for now. Um, all of this could change. And uh, I encourage you though, if you are thinking of, not traveling or canceling plans because you might be pregnant or you want to be pregnant or you want to try, I would encourage you to try to not do that. I don't want to, I don't want to tell you what to do. Um, but I do think it's, it's scary when the TTC journey and trying to conceive like totally takes over your life and stops you from living. And obviously I know sometimes, you know, concessions have to be made and when you, go further in your journey, you know, when you get to be a parent, you might have to say no to some things. Um, but personally, for me, I know I would really regret it if I said no to trips and adventures and opportunities, because I might be pregnant or because, you know, I want to try to conceive or something like that. I would much rather just like say yes and get to do these amazing guaranteed things. And then, you know, try to fit in conception around that. That's where I'm at. Okay, let's move into traveling when pregnant. So obviously I don't have any firsthand experience with this and I hope one day in the future I get to do a follow-up episode to this one with some uh, travel tips for traveling when pregnant because I'm sure I'll have lots to say about that as I definitely plan to travel uh, while pregnant. But here are some things I've picked up um, just doing a little bit of research and just you know intuitively things that I think would make a lot of sense. So first tip would be to slow down. Um, I know everyone pregnancy affects you differently. And obviously it depends when in your pregnancy you're traveling and the type of traveling you're planning to do. But I would just, you know, think about your usual kind of vacation and then scale it back maybe to 80% or 70% or even like 50 or 60% of what you usually do. Plan for breaks, plan for naps, <laughs> plan for, you know, even benches that you can sit down on. If you're used to doing like, you know, 5am hikes on vacation, maybe do an 8am stroll or something like that. If you happen to be feeling amazing, then that's great. You can, you know, once you're on the ground, you can add in a few more things to your itinerary. But I would hate for you to book, you know, a bunch of non-refundable things um, that you're going to do on vacation and then get there and realize that you are too tired or too sick or whatever it is to take advantage of those things. 
Um, another tip would be just some easy changes. I think everyone knows that, you know, pregnant people should drink more water. You want to stay hydrated. So making sure you have a water bottle with you. Um, even if you're flying, you can bring a big water bottle through security. It just has to be empty as you're going through. So that's no problem. Just show them that the bottle is empty. You can fill it up on the other side, having that with you, you know, during the day uh, when you travel. For me personally, I drink a crap ton of water when I'm home because I have, you can't see it, but I have this big, like, almost three liter water bottle on my desk. It's ginormous. My mother-in-law always makes fun of me. Think She thinks it's like a pitcher that I'm going to use to fill everyone else's glass at the table, but it's just for me. Um, I drink like one or two of these a day. So I'm, I'm very hydrated, but when I travel, I always forget because, you know, I don't want to carry this giant water bottle around. So I'm always so thirsty when I travel. Um, so that's something, you know, when I do get to travel pregnant, I really want to make, uh, make, I don't know what I'm saying. I really want to purposefully carry around water, um, even if that means like bringing, you know, a backpack or something for my water bottle. Another really easy change for pregnant travel is to wear compression socks. I know some people have to wear these anyways when they're flying um, just to help with blood flow, especially if you are someone who is prone to blood clots. It's really important to have like compression clothing on making sure you're getting up and walking, you know, you're stretching your ankles, you're moving around, easy access to the bathroom, things like that that are just like little tweaks you might need to make to your travel routine. Um, this is particularly if you're flying, but I can also see if you're doing like a road trip or even, I don't know, a boat trip, a train trip, you'd still want to have, um, you know, easy access to the bathroom and an opportunity to get up and stretch your legs pretty often. I know when you're pregnant, there are certain things you have to avoid. Uh, roller coasters is one of them. Uh, you're not supposed to do that when you're pregnant. Um, I know there are also just some, you know, other adventure activities, certain like, um, sailboats and skydiving and bungee jumping, things like that, that you're probably not supposed to do when you're pregnant. So just do your research. Um, depending on where you're going, there might be certain activities you have to pass on. And even in the planning stages, you know, like maybe don't plan to do a weekend at Disney World or Six Flags or, you know, a big road trip around the best I don't know, bungee jump spots in the US or something like that. If you're pregnant, you're probably not going to get to enjoy those as much as possible. Um, of course, if you are planning to travel while pregnant, you want to check in with your medical team. Just make sure everything is okay, that you're cleared to travel, and that you have, you know, contact information if something happens on the road. Uh, for me personally, I think it'll be really reassuring to look up uh, local travel clinics or um, English speaking, you know, hospitals or doctors or things like that, wherever I'm going and having that information on hand. So for example, um, well, we're going to New Zealand in April, if I am hopefully pregnant by then, um, I definitely want to be looking up some hospitals or doctor's office or clinics that I can have phone numbers for to call just in case something happens on the road. Um, this also leads me perfectly into insurance. You want to make sure that you have uh, travel insurance, medical insurance in place that covers you. Uh, while you're pregnant and any sort of pregnancy issues that may come up. One thing I have heard about is that you can't actually get insurance to cover a baby because they're not born yet. You know, they're not like <laughs> a human out here in the world that can be insured. Um, double check that. And I think, um, you know, I've heard, I don't know if you've heard like horror stories of people who end up having their babies uh, on trips, you know, they just, they weren't expecting to have to deliver their baby so early and they end up having to pay, you know, just crap tons of money um, because while they were insured, their baby wasn't insured. So all of the medical procedures and things like that, that their baby had to undergo is just like really, really expensive. So be careful with that. I think that's another reason why 
you don't want to travel too late. Like you, you know, you don't want to be giving birth in another country if you're going to have to pay for all of that out of pocket, uh, if that's not something you're planning to, to pay for. So double check with your medical team, double check with your insurance that you're really comfortable with your coverage or if you need to buy extra coverage, coverage. Um, and then I think the biggest tip for traveling while pregnant is to me, in my mind, at least it's similar to exercise. You know, everyone says, of course, you want to exercise while you're pregnant. Um, and if you were doing it before, like, amazing, great, keep it up, you know, do what you're comfortable with. But like, if you were a runner before you got pregnant, it's okay to keep running, but maybe you're going to have to go a bit slower or, you know, not run as far. If you loved lifting weights, okay, great. Talk to your gym or your coach or your trainer and say, how can I, you know, modify this so it's safe for my pregnancy? Or if you loved whatever yoga, dance classes, like you can still do all those things. However, if you, you know, never exercised a day in your life and then got pregnant, it's probably not the time to say like, Hey, I'm going to train for a marathon or, Oh, I'm going to see what's the heaviest weight I can lift. Of course you want to exercise, but maybe start slow, you know, go to the pool, swim, take an aqua fit class, do a walk around the block, do a, you know, a drop in dance class, something like that. That's, you know, a little bit more low key and see what you're comfortable with and what feels good in your body. I think it's very similar with travel. If you are someone who travels all the time, you're really comfortable with it. You fly, you take the train, you drive, you know how to, you know, handle yourself in in different travel situations and mishaps and you're an experienced traveler, then I think it totally makes sense that you still travel when you're pregnant or when you're trying to conceive and that you just slow it down and really listen to your body. Hey, what am I comfortable with? Um, What do I need to modify for my situation? If you're someone who has never traveled before, I wouldn't say, you know, five months into your pregnancy or seven months into your pregnancy or even seven weeks into your pregnancy is like the ideal time to, um, you know, trek Everest or go to India or take a cruise to Antarctica. Maybe it's the time to go on a little road trip or do, you know, a a cruise through the Mediterranean or something a little bit more low key that's not going to be super stressful and super far outside of your comfort zone. For me, my motto is going to be definitely to still travel because it's something I plan to do. You know, it's something I love doing. It's part of my regular life and it's something I want to keep up doing while pregnant and while um, a new parent. But how can I make it easier for myself? So really tuning in, listening to my body. Do I need to slow down? Do I need to plan more breaks? Do I need to just go slower? You know, maybe instead of spending three nights in a place, let's spend five nights because I just want to, you know, slow the trip down. And also, how can I make the hard parts of travel easy? So something like, you know, right now I usually wear a backpack. My husband and I are big backpackers. We think it's so easy. It's so nice to have like your hands free uh, when you're, you know, in the airport or commuting or things like that. But maybe when I'm pregnant, if I'm, you know, heavily pregnant and having issues getting around, it'll actually be a lot nicer to have a rolling bag that I don't have to wear on my back. And maybe my husband can carry it if we get to stairs or cobblestone or something like that. Or maybe it's upgrading to, you know, economy plus instead of just economy or business class, if you can splurge on that. Maybe it's getting an Uber from the airport instead of, you know, changing three different buses and subways or something like that. So just little things you could do to make it easier for yourself and just, you know, checking in with your body. I think those would be my tips for traveling when pregnant from a person who has traveled a lot, but is not pregnant. (laughs) Okay. I hope this episode was helpful. Lots of good info, I think, on Zika, on traveling when trying to conceive, traveling when pregnant. Bottom line, I think still keep living your life. Like, you know, read the data, make a decision based on the data that makes sense for you and your own risk level, but don't put your whole life on hold um, 
just because you might be pregnant or you might want to be pregnant. That's that's where I'm coming from, at least. But I hope you make the best decision for you and happy and safe travels. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.